0: What do you love to do? Can you remember the last time you had a hobby that didn't involve an ulterior motive? That didn't involve money or hustle culture and that made you feel maybe a little bit vulnerable and afraid to be judged? I wanna hear about that story. We all have something that gives us passion and it's my goal to re-inspire you to find the joy in your life by talking with other people about the things that make them happiest. I'm Megan Breen. This is Anything But Beige. Let's go. Hey guys, Megan here. Welcome to Anything But Beige. I'm so excited about, I'm excited about every interview, but that's just who I am. (laughs) But this interview is all about money and loving money. I know that so many people have fears about money, or they come from a scarcity mindset. And I wanted to bring this person on just to show you that it doesn't have to be that way. And this woman, Tanji Seals paid off $33,000 of debt in only 18 months. Can you imagine what that feeling had to be like on her last payment? It's just. It's amazing. And I love hearing about her journey from this into shifting her mindset about money. And now she teaches other people how to love money too. And I hope you will as well. So without further ado, here is my interview with Tangie Seals all about learning to love money.
1: Hi, my name is Tangie Seals. I'm a money mentor. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't say what I do. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Okay. Okay. No worries.
0: Don't worry. Okay. So remember, this is not the business part. Right. This is just about loving money. Just loving money. Okay. I love money. Gotcha. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Three, two, one. Hi, my name is Tanji
0: Seals and I love money. (laughs) That that was perfect. So Tanji, thank you so much for being here. I am this is this has been on my calendar for weeks, and I have been excited every week that it's been coming.
1: Same. Me too. I've been really, really looking forward to this. And I have some notes. And again, I have a lot to say. So I'm really excited to be here with you today, Megan.
0: That's fantastic. So I guess let's start at the beginning because it's a very good place to start. Right? <laughs> so so um, this is all about money, the money episode, learning to love money, which is a terrifying subject for so many people. So I, I want to start where you like your rock bottom and how you started to change your mindset and learn to love money. Yeah,
1: sure. So I think for most people, whenever we start to kind of have this, Oh crap moment about money, you know, there's this big um, break, like something has happened. Usually in our adult life, something has happened, whether it's you've graduated and you have to start working or your car broke down or rents due this month and you can't pay it. We all have that moment. Um, But I think a lot of us also don't realize that there's usually some past, Moment in our childhood that we don't really know. We don't always realize how much of an influence it has into our lives today So I think there's kind of a two-part at least for me. There is Um, so my Growing up I I I grew up. I was raised by a single mom. I didn't grow up with money I mean, we were on government assistance. There were times where we even um, slept in homeless shelters or in the car. I mean, we were constant couch surfers going from this person's home and that person's home and just whoever would open their homes to us. You know, we were lucky just to have family and my my mom's friends who were willing to, you know, let us in. Um, So we didn't have a lot, but still we were always taken care of and I am grateful for that. But I just remember that instability being, just uncomfortable for me. I remember being in school and, you know, in elementary school too, you know, you see your, your friends and it's like, they go home to mom and dad and they have their normal house and their normal household. And it's just, you just want that kind of stability. Um, And my mother also was um, an abuse victim. And I remember there was one, I I, have witnessed physical abuse happened to her a few times several times in my childhood but that I remember there was one instance in particular and this memory just still comes into my mind even as an adult um every now and then and it's like it lights a fire under me to just get rich and and be financially free but I remember my mom she was a really petite woman like I mean five one maybe 110 pounds really small and uh she was married to a um a just not a nice person at that time. And he was a really big guy. And I remember being in the living room and they're in the bedroom screaming and fighting. And I hear this commotion and, um, I was probably like seven or eight at the time. And for some reason I decided I needed to go in and like protect my mom. And I remember, Walking into the room and it's still just like it breaks my heart to this day because I can still see her. I see her like lying on the floor and like, in, a, in a fetal position. And I see him like they're just kicking her in the stomach. And that is one memory of my childhood that I've tried to erase like mentally so many times. And it's always stuck with me. But I just remember saying like I that can't I never want my kid to see this. I never want my kid to see this. And um, I always wanted to like like save my mom, I guess. So my thing is like I want to have money to make it better for my mom. I want to have money to take care of my mom. And um, sadly, my mom, she passed away when I was a teenager. So she's no longer here. But um, just really like wanting to be independent so that I wasn't dependent on a man so that I didn't have to put up with anyone's abuse. Because that's why we were there. To be honest, we were there because he had a home to take care of us. A nice one and that's why we were there and had that not been the case my mother there's no way she would have put up with that from him um, so I knew I always wanted to be stable enough that I didn't have to take bullshit from anybody and um, I wanted to take care of my mom so those were my two like childhood things um, and then my, my oh crap adulthood moment happened after um, I think a lot of people can probably relate to this um, I got you know, I went to school, got my bachelor's, got my master's, everything's great. You're like, I'm so smart, I know everything, life is great. And, um, and then like um I got that email from my student loan provider, and it's like, yeah, congratulations, you graduated. Um, in two months, your first payment's due. And <laughs> this is this is how much your monthly payments are gonna be. This is what your interest is, this is how long you're gonna be paying off this loan. And I was like, <laughs> what the heck is going on? Like, you know, reality slaps you in the face because you have all these big goals and and dreams that you're just, you kind of ignore the realness. You know, of course you're going to tackle your goals and your dreams, but you're like, Oh wait, I still have these unfavorable, unsavory things I have to deal with in my life. And so that was my moment when I saw that I was 30 grand plus in debt. And I was just like, hell no, just Mm -hmm. hell no. Because I was thinking what came to my mind was, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be in this in this state of always owing people money. Whatever money I have has to go out and be paid to other people. And then I'm going to be living a paycheck to paycheck life. And then I just felt like I was going to be putting myself onto that road of dependence on other people. And I was like, no, that that can't happen. And so that just kind of I I kicked my butt into high gear and I was like, okay, I got to pay this off and I got to start building wealth ASAP. And that was, those were the, my, that was my childhood moment. And then my grown up moment, the, the two that kind of influenced me to set so up on this path of financial independence
0: and teaching other women about it. That's so, I, like you said, so many people can relate to that. I remember getting those letters from FAFSA, well, not FAFSA, but like the, the government, uh-huh. and like, <laughs> you can pay it now if you want, but you don't have to. And then all of a sudden you get that. I remember they had this horrible marketing campaign or something about they like, do you remember this? They made a band and they called it six months grace because do you remember that? I, <laughs> I remember seeing that it was like right in like 2007 or 2008 when, before the recession. And like right when I was graduating, I just remember like, this is the stupidest idea. <laughs> like, Oh, Oh, it's fine to be that much in debt. Look, we have a nice little country band to talk about. Six months grace. And this and I was just like, oh my God. You like you said, like the realization of anything that I bring in is gonna have is already earmarked for someone else. Mm-hmm. That is such a a terrible mindset to get in. So you're going into this place of fear or I guess like Emotional debt too, right? Of just whatever I have is not going to be mine. Yeah. How do you how do you start to dig yourself out of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, you, that's actually a good point to make. Is the the emotional impact that 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 takes onto a person because you do start to you're filled with fear. Like for me, it was like I I knew well, one day I want to own a home. I want to invest. I knew I had all of these big like money um, and, and wealth building things in mind. And I also know that you, you don't become wealthy, truly wealthy whenever you have a mountain of debt under you. And so then it started to it almost in the beginning, I started to just feel defeated, you know, before I even, you know, started before I even started to fight, I felt like I was losing, um, because I had all of this debt. I think that one of the best ways to combat that is to just suck it up. I, I, um, Sometimes, sometimes people call me a little bit uh, abrasive. Um, kind of like even with myself, or with my family and my friends, people who I know well and who I'm close to. Um, I'm really, really tough on myself and tough on the people around me. I think sometimes we get into a state of this thing this bad thing has happened to me and then we kind of want to wallow in that for a little bit honestly I want to do those things too and sometimes I allow myself to for about a day I'm like okay you can feel sorry for yourself that you're in all this set or you can feel sorry for yourself that you're broke or you're paycheck to paycheck or you don't even know how next month's bills are going to be paid you can feel sorry for yourself today but suck it up, and tomorrow you have to kick your butt into high gear and get and start a plan because I think that that self pity doesn't get us anywhere, and I think that we tend to, especially kind of the way today's world is positioned, um, we've we not that we're we're soft, but we do a we understand now that it's okay, you know, to, to not be perfect and to make mistakes and it's okay to ease your way into things. And that is fine. But I think that some people, um, and I'm actually talking about some of my family members too. So I don't want anyone to think that like, she's mean, I'm actually talking about people that I know.
0: Um, <laughs> That's but I, I get it. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm talking about people that I know, but where, where it's like, sometimes people take that to the extreme of like, it's okay that, I'm not making any progress. It's okay. It, it's just, it's okay because, you know, I gotta be happy. It's okay. And I'm like, no, that's, it's not okay. It's, it's not okay. This is going to be hard. It's going to be tough and you need to be, it's okay to be hard on yourself, but also be compassionate. You know, I don't think that being hard on yourself doesn't, is is the opposite of self love. You know, so I think that you're still taking good care of yourself by being hard on yourself and making sure that you are staying true to whatever your goals are and that you are making progress to um getting out of debt and to building wealth. Um, So, yeah, I think that we have to almost have to have this mental toughness that has to kick in and this discipline um, rather than, you know, kind of making excuses. So I am someone who just is naturally like probably harder on myself than I should be sometimes. But yeah, I think that once, you know, like there's this big goal that I am after, um, I need it. I want to pay off my mortgage or whatever it is. I think uh, with that one thing, you need to have laser focus and be extremely disciplined and diligent about getting it done. I think it can't be a soft goal. You know, if you say, Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to, I want to, I want to get out of debt. Well, what does that mean? You know, what does that look like? How much debt do you have? How much money are you going to pay each month to get out of your debt? What is your interest rate on your debt? How much money do you make right now? How much money is going to go toward your debt? What can you cut out of your budget right now that, and redirect those funds to your debt? I think that you have to get really, really detailed about what that big goal looks like mm-hmm. and then attack it like there's no tomorrow. I think it needs to consume you. And then I think that's how you kind of get there really quickly. I know my style sometimes is like, well, I don't want to be that obsessive and that crazy about things, but I think that whenever you want something to happen quick, I know we all are about instant gratification these days. And um, I think whenever you want those faster results, it's not going to happen overnight. That's for damn sure. But whenever you want things to happen faster, you have to devote a lot of your energy to it and just be really, really disciplined about getting it done. So, yeah, I think it just, you know, it's all in your mind. And I think that just, sharpening your mind to be really, really focused on whatever this big goal is. I think that is what will get you there. And then just kind of make you passionate about, about achieving whatever that financial goal is.
0: And I think that that's so true for any goal really of just like, there's one thing about letting go and letting the universe take control, but then there's another of like, okay, I've let the universe take control, but I, I have to get the path. I have to make that happen. So how do you recommend people start? I think that we're just ingrained unfairly with a fear of money of like, especially women, like it's not okay for me to want money. I'm supposed to be polite. I'm not supposed to ask for selling. Like that was something I had a huge issue getting through of like, I'm afraid to ask for money because it'll seem like I'm begging or I'm, you know, like I'm desperate or something. And it, I had to do a really huge mindset shift of understanding that asking for money is about my worth and my value. And like the thing that I have to give is worthy and uh, has a monetary value because that's how we communicate in our society. So can you talk about like, One, I want to hear about the huge goal of you paying this off in 18 months and what that takes mentally to start doing that. You know, you talked about you have to have focus and you have to um, you have to say, like, this is a goal that I really want to achieve and start working that out. But can you talk about, like, implementing that and how you got through how you got through that? Uh, Yeah, I love what
1: you said. First off, let me apologize. Can you the landscaper guy is blowing the invisible there's no leaves outside but he's blowing them around can we hear him <laughs> no i cannot so. oh, okay okay i i can and i'm like there's nothing to blow <laughs> 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 i'm sorry i'm um, good you're good i'll start over i love what you said about us especially as women sometimes being uncomfortable with money and talking about it and asking for it um Honestly, so I was actually having a conversation with a man. Uh, we were talking about real estate investing and I was saying to him, I was expressing some of my fears and some of my discomfort because I am full of them. I just ignore, <laughs> I just ignore them. I just had to stomp over them and just keep, keep going. And I was saying, you know, I think that traditionally, I mean, sexism aside, right? Cause we do have to acknowledge sexism and like inequalities in terms of pay and things like that. And it, um, not having equal opportunities for women, I know that that's a big part of um, why women are traditionally not as successful as men. So I know that's it's it's such it's so loaded. But if I just even even if I just ignore that part, which is a huge part to ignore, um, I think that women. Uh, or, or part of the reason why sometimes men seem to run circles around us in terms of success and in terms of money is not because they're smarter, because we're way smarter than they are. <laughs> in my opinion, we're, we're, we're much smarter and, and a lot of times more creative, but it's like they just go for it. Men just go for it, even when it's like a, a crazy idea, an idea where you're like, well, that's, that doesn't sound that smart. That's kind of whatever. But they just go for it. And if, if you go for it enough, it's like at some point it's going to stick, you know. And I think that fear for women is so paralyzing that we, we miss out on a lot, a lot of opportunities and we miss out on a lot of money because of it. Um, I also think that we are, you know, we kind of feel like talking about money is, 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 is tacky or maybe we feel like, it makes us super vulnerable, like talking about your debt. That's not fun. I, I, I was really like struggling with that and struggling with being open about it, struggling with writing about it and sharing it on my social profiles. It was embarrassing, so to be honest, like it, it was embarrassing for me. Um, I have relatives whose credit scores are in the 500 range and they're embarrassed to talk about it. And, and, and I, I get it. I totally get it. And I think sometimes we sometimes have this shame if we are in like a negative financial state that we don't want to mention it. And then I've also met people and women too, on the other side who are doing extremely well, who feel like, you know, it's again, it's tacky. It's not tasteful. If I talk about my money or if I talk about the success that I have, because if it looks like I'm bragging or, you know, it can, it can just seem off putting. And so they keep their mouth shut. And whereas we don't typically see men, I mean, men, men are just like, I, I'm rich, I have so much money, or, oh my gosh, I lost so much money on that deal. They just put it out there, whether it's good or bad. Celebrated for it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I think women, we just, it, it, it's maybe more, um, more emotions are kind of tied up in that to where we either feel like we're embarrassed by what's going on with us, or where we're being too boastful, and that that's off putting to do. And I think that we do need to let go of that. Because whenever we talk about it, and we share stories you know kind of like we're doing now then it's like oh well my dad's my dad's not so bad i mean it, i i can't get out of it you know this isn't permanent i can do something about it i can fix this because i'm talking to this person and she did it and she told me how or oh i can build my house i can go buy a house even though i don't have a husband i don't have to have a husband to buy a home i don't have to um make six figures to start investing right now because the lady over there makes less than that and she's already investing and it's like once we start to open up and talk about whatever's going on with us and whatever's going on with our money then other women start to say oh hey I can do that or well I relate to her and they feel more comfortable talking about it too and then all of those fears and all of that discomfort that comes with talking about money that dissipates so I think we just kind of need to Get out of get out of our, our comfort zone. And, and it, like I said, for me, it still is uncomfortable talking about money. Like I, I had someone send me an email um, asking me something like personal, like regarding my budget. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't. It, but it's my budget, but it's mine. I, I, <laughs> what? Like she wants to know my budget. And I was like, but why not? Like why not? Like why can't I share my budget with her? And so and so I I sent it to her and, and and I was like, well yeah, this is how I in terms of percentages, you know, like this is what to the percent I spent on food and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, you can have it. But yeah, it's it's really intimate and, and it is hard for us to share. Um, what I did, and this is kind of the second part of your question. So what I did whenever I realized I had this mountain of debt and I it needed to disappear, um, I I just I went and I looked at my bank accounts and I was just like, okay what what money do I have you know what money do I have today that should, that's sitting here um I at the time like like all graduates I was like I want to graduate I want to have a nicer space to live in and I want a new car and so I'd already been saving money for a new car and so I had a few thousand dollars saved for a car and I was just like okay well do you need a new car um, you know separating needs from wants. I had a conversation with my aunt once this is I was a kid and she talked about separating needs from wants, and it was I think you should call her and tell her this It was one of those powerful conversations that we've had because it stuck with me to this point point. and um, I was like well, I have a car right now it works well, there are no problems with it. I just want a new car because for cosmetic reasons, I just want a new car because it's new. And so the money that I had saved for, um, my new car, I, it was about $6,000 and I was like, okay, well you don't need, I don't need it. So I took that and I had that one big chunk and just threw it toward paying off my debt. And then I went and I created a budget and I always say budget is like the real B word that, <laughs> that no one ever wants to talk about. <laughs> it's the scariest B word out there. Um, and it's like nobody wants to budget. I just want to get money and buy things I want and be happy. Um, and so I, you know, I, I looked at my income and saw what I had coming in every month and then looked at what my other, you know, obligations were, and um after i looked at what my obligations were you know how your credit cards and your debit cards will give you like a summary of like your spending categories
0: yeah you know, I used to, shirt. Yeah. yeah
1: i ignored those all the time i was like i don't want to know that i'm spending too much money going to restaurants um so <laughs> i was like no um and then though i started paying attention to those to see where my money was going and i noticed that there was a category on one of my cards for entertainment and it was like, I was going to theater, movie theaters, different shows, plays, concerts, and things like that. And that was a big chunk of uh, where my money was going. And I was like, okay, those are wants, those are not needs. Um, I looked at my shopping category, my my, more money was being spent on clothes that I really don't wear. I wear like the same five things. And I have for like the last five
0: years. Isn't that crazy? Like, I just, (laughs) I have a closet full of clothes. And I'm just like, no, I just I want my I want these pants. Yeah. This is the, I want the pants like that are you. in the laundry that I've worn eight days in a row. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And so I was like, well, you keep wearing the same clothes stop spending money on clothes um, and then like leisure things. Like I love like massages and facials and like, I am, I am a spa girl. Love it. And so when I realized that the bulk of my money, honestly, Megan was spent toward unnecessary expenses. Um, And so I, you know, I, I went and I created my budget. And then when I realized that I wasn't including those things in a, in a budget that I actually had money left over um, a decent amount of money left over. And so I directed that money toward paying off my debt. Now, it was extremely tough. Like I'm a person who, you know, especially pre the pandemic, I was a person who went to the movies like twice a week, mainly because I like to eat popcorn. Um, But that's expensive. You know, it's expensive to go to the movies and to buy concessions. And I was get, you know, getting my nails done, manicures and pedicures every week. Like I was doing a lot of things every week and it became a part of my lifestyle. And so I had to change my lifestyle in order to, have that extra money. And so that was the hardest part was getting used to not doing those things that became so routine for me. Um, so it took like, again, that mental discipline had to kick in of like, is getting a manicure and pedicure and spending, I don't know, 80, a hundred bucks or whatever on that today. Is that a need of yours? Like, you're not going. I sit at home all day. I've always been an introvert. Even before the pandemic, I like to be home. So I was like, OK, no one's going to see you. You're buying new clothes to not wear for no one to see you. And, and so I would have to just like re- recite these things to myself over and over again, because I always would feel the urge to go and spend on something unnecessary. Or I'd still find myself going online and looking at cars and wanting to still buy a new car. So it was tough. I mean, it was it was not a fun 18 month period. I can I can mm-hmm. tell you that I had to be really um, almost minimalistic in, in what my lifestyle was. Um, and this is also another thing. I, I sold a lot of clothes um, mm-hmm. that I didn't wear. This is actually something I always forget to like <laughs> mention um, because I, I, I did it a while back. But it was um, one December that I just went into my closet again. I'm like, I keep you keep buying stuff. You have no space to put it and you don't wear anything you buy. And so I went and I I took out all the things that I hadn't worn recently and I just kind of let them sit in a pile. And I kept revisiting that pile. Like, do you, Mm -hmm. do you still want this thing? Do you still need this thing? And I also kept revisiting what was still left in my closet to see, well, do you, actually really, do, you, do you really want this or do you want to get rid of it? And I found that a lot of things I actually didn't care for anymore. And so I uh, sold a lot of my clothes and I made like $700 in, in a month by selling. I sold a lot of stuff. I sold a lot of things, but it was nice that I had this extra money and that money also went toward my debt. Um, and also during that period too, I think anyone that – does go on some sort of journey whether it's you're saving money to to buy a home to send your kids to college to get out of debt to start investing whatever you have a financial goal for once you start to kind of budget and start to cut unnecessary things out after you do it for so long you realize that you don't really need those things and and at least I personally became happier um I still miss I miss my massages still now during the pandemic I haven't had a massage (laughs) that I miss but things like even like Getting my nails done, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't actually miss that as much as I thought I would. I'm, I'm so happy that I don't shop anymore. Shopping was stressful, to be honest. And so, just yeah, it's really stressful. So, really, quality of life for me improved once I kind of cut out some of these these unnecessary things. And so, I think that that's also a, a hidden benefit that some people will probably find once they do start whatever journey is one, you achieve that big goal that you want it. You know, you you saved up a down payment to buy that dream house, but you also cut out unnecessary things that really didn't mean that much to you. So now you have your dream, right? You have your dream house and your quality of life is better because you've also, you've, you've trimmed the fat, so to speak, right? You've trimmed out what doesn't really mean much to you. So those are some of the things that I did to just really tackle, tackle my debt and, you know, move on to my path of
0: trying to get rich. (laughs) Well, and I love that you talked about, um, especially at the end of just realizing that these things weren't fulfilling you. And it's funny how we're conditioned or we allow ourselves or both to just kind of believe, okay, if I have this pile of stuff, then that that means something. I don't like, it means I'm successful or it means that, I'm beautiful. Or it means that I, I love myself. Or, and then you take yeah. it away and you start to realize like, Oh, that was just all symbolic of, of nothing really. Just of what kind <laughs> of sound like an edgy teenager, but like what society thinks that I should be doing.
1: Yes. Yes, completely. Uh, that, that's so right. Because I know um, when I was in college, like a, like a lot of girls in college, I'd watch, I'd always watch YouTube makeup tutorials and I would always buy whatever was being recommended. And then and that was also where too much of my money went. And honestly, I don't even like wearing makeup. I hate it. I mean, I, I will, you know, other than like a, a little mascara filling in my brows and like a like lip gloss, that's kind of like my everyday go-to thing, but like the, you know, you need this primer and this other kind of primer and then this foundation plus the concealer and then the, the this goes on after then you have to bake and then the setting and I was, I was just like I don't care about this crap and all that I have so many like eyeshadow palettes and I had all the stuff that was just unopened because I'd see the video get excited buy it because I thought oh that's what you know You got to be, we're all have all the cool makeup, and you're cool Mm -hmm. and you're pretty. And and then I'd buy it, I'm like, it's just sitting there, and makeup is expensive that is so expensive. So that's one thing that I also cut out of my budget. And honestly, a lot of it I either gave, especially things that were unopened, like younger cousins or friends who do wear it. I was like, hey, here, you can have it. And then I just stopped buying it. And that's something else that a quality of life improved whenever I have to go anywhere whether it's to, to talk to you here today or even if i'm going to like a wedding i only have a handful of things to to even put onto my face so it's easier for, i can do my makeup quick i can do it fast and i'm happy with the way it looks and i'm not spending a hundred bucks a month on makeup products that i'm not gonna wear so you're right i do think we kind of our, our stuff validates what we want to believe is true about ourselves even if we're not um Like, like living a life that feeds into that or so, or, you know what I mean? Like, for example, I wasn't even wearing all that cool makeup and whatever else. It was just there, you know, like you don't need it. Yeah. Toss it out. You'll be happier and you'll have more money (laughs) at the end of
0: the day. So how did you make a transition from becoming a minimalist and avoiding becoming an uber minimalist of like, I'm going to make it a competition now. And I'm going to see like, (laughs) I'm going to live on beans and that's it. And then you you become incredibly depressed and gassy or something. I don't know. (laughs) So how do you, how do you get out of this mindset of you moved into a minimalist mindset because you had this this ultimate goal of becoming debt-free? How do you start to change your mindset into money is not an enemy. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. Like where, where's, where's the transition there in your life and how do you recommend people do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause my, my, my YouTube search history, I guess went from makeup crap to minimalist videos and those videos, they <laughs> will suck you in. And then you start to see people, you know, living in like, I live in a, a, 100 square foot apartment and
0: (laughs) i have one shirt and you're just like like mr money mustache or something he's just like terrifying (laughs) yeah like you get
1: you get super like into it and i'm like oh my god i want to do this and i want to do that and yeah there was because i have an obsessive again just i I just have an obsessive personality (laughs) and i did i got like really into it i'm like i want to get rid of all my stuff and i this is stuff is stupid and stuff is bad and then um you know af- after a while i was like okay it's okay to have stuff it's okay to buy stuff be happy like if living in a 100 square foot box and having one shirt if that makes you happy go do it and you know if if buying things and living the life that you want makes you happy then then do it, you know? So I do think you have to find th- this happy, um, happy balance, but, um, sorry, what was the second I got so wrapped up into minimalism. What was the second part of your I'm
0: question? More, uh, <laughs> it was more about like how shifting your mindset into, yes. um, I'm not afraid of money anymore and yes. I'm going to use it to my advantage.
1: Yes. So when I, so once I got to the point where my, when I got my debt balance down from 33,000 and change to 10. Like once I realized like, Oh, I'm going to have this debt into the four figure um, period. Then I started to think of, you know, new, new opportunities. Like, okay, well, once this, once this is gone, then what's next, you know, then what happens? What can I do? I still will have this, this quote unquote extra um, money left over. Once I pay this off, then what can I do next with it? And I am such a personal finance junkie. I've read every single book on personal finance and building wealth, um, especially generational wealth for yourself and for your family. And of course, everyone knows that investing is, is, is king, so to speak. Um, it's, th- there are a lot of ways to get rich. I mean, you can, you can make a lot of money. You, in terms of your salary, um, you can start your own business. That is just super successful. You know, you can just have a lot of income and be I don't know, rich or what, wealthy, and that is such a gray. Those are gray terms too, because I think that they mean different things to different to everyone. We have our own definition of what rich is or what wealth truly means. Um, but then there's there's the what I think is also the, the easier way. You know, if you're not somebody who makes um, I don't know half a million dollars every single year just in your income, um, you can still get rich. You can still be wealthy. And investing is an awesome tool. It's it's the vehicle to building wealth kind of for the everyday man. And and honestly, very, very people who are already rich are also big investors too. But I think that we sometimes, I know I did at least, I thought that sounds crazy. You're going to like want to punch me for saying this. But I thought in order to become rich, you had to already be rich.
0: Yeah, totally. Does
1: that, yep. mm-hmm. that <laughs> make
0: sense? Like, yeah. Investing isn't for the normies like us. Like yeah. that's what, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I was having a conversation all, last week with somebody and I just, I said, you know, growing up, I always thought that investors look like Warren Buffett and I, I like, I love Warren Buffett and, and I, I I follow him closely, but I, you're looking at me now, Warren Buffett and I do not like anything alike. And so I just thought like, okay, well that's what an investor looks like. And Oh, well, he's a billionaire. Of course he's he's a of course he's an investor and he's successful with it. I just thought you already had to be there. I and I think we look at these super successful people or investors or whatever and we kind of we we see them as they are now, but we forget that they came from somewhere, that they did start from somewhere. And so once I started to read more personal finance um books and and engage in personal finance resources, then I realized like a lot of people who were um, kind of like your next door millionaires and people who you don't realize are millionaires were kind of just like we are. They were people who were, who used to be school teachers or who used to, you know, work as just an office manager or something like that. And I'd be reading their stories and I'm like, what, that's what you did for a living. That's how much money you made. Your net worth is what? and then i was like oh okay and and it was investing that got them there it wasn't that they made a ton of money in their in their income but they were smart with not spending too much they were big savers and they were investors and they just let let compound interest really they let compounding do the work for them and so once i got my debt to that 10,000 mark and i you know i was i knew i was in the home stretch and i could see the finish line And, and I wanted to know what was, you know, what was going to be the next step to continuing, you know, building wealth. And I knew that I needed to start investing. So it was actually at that point that I did start to direct some of my funds to investing. I know that there are lots of schools of, there's, there are many different schools of thoughts out there on investing versus debt repayment. Um, Some people, uh, big personalities who say, pay off your debt, don't do anything else until you pay off debt. There are some who say, well, you know, the interest rate on your debt is three percent, but your investments are going to earn ten. Then you should invest. You know, I, you know, you you'll have to kind of do see what works for you. I knew that I wanted to start sooner rather than later. Um, I wanted to kind of get my feet wet. I wanted to learn more about investing and kind of see how how that process goes while i was still paying off my debt that way when my debt was at zero i would be more informed about investing i'd be more knowledgeable and be a little bit more comfortable to really dive into it so i actually at that point that's when i started to invest and started building wealth in in, in that way
0: how did you get started were you like on robinhood or did you well, well, how did you get started how do you recommend other people get started <laughs>
1: yeah i so the, the reason I get started. It's weird. I've actually never shared <laughs> I've never told anyone this, at least in, in terms of like a, a podcast or any any type of interview. Usually at least on my platforms when I talk about investing, I I take all credit. I still take credit for it, but um, so I am my my partner was we're still together. Um but my partner he is he's a few years older than me and um so he's just I, I guess you could say more successful or at the time that I started investing. He I mean he'd already been working for a few years. He'd already just, you know, just been more experienced. So he was just kind of further along in life, I guess, um, than I was. And he was investing and in kind of getting into real estate. And I'm super competitive and I don't like when boys know more than me. And when boys are doing something that I'm not doing. And so I, I saw him kind of on this journey and I would get I'd get, honestly, I'd get annoyed. He'd be talking about it and, and, and I wouldn't understand. And I'd be frustrated that I didn't understand. Um, I'd see him. So it wasn't like um. I'd be upset that he was doing well, but it was like, wait, he's doing well. Why am I not doing this? And also, why don't I understand it? And again, I'm competitive and I'm like, well, I just want to be smarter than him. I just want to know more. And so um, he would, he told me about Robin Hood and um, how he kind of uses that and he You know, you can refer a friend and they get a free stock and you do too. He's like, oh, hey, look, I have my referral, my referral code. And I was like, okay, well, I don't need a bazillion dollars to open an account because some of the research that I had done with other um, platforms and brokerages, you know, sometimes you need like, here's a $10,000 minimum investment. And I was like, "Mm -hmm." okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start investing in two years then if that's the case. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, he, he's like, yeah, you don't need, there's no account minimum. You get a free stock in, you know, here, just open it. I think he just wanted me to open an account that way he would get a free stock to be, to be
0: honest. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: um, I remember it's, um,
0: I'm planning to do a Q and a special answering all of your questions, either about what we just talked about or anything in between. I'm happy to hear back from you and help you out if I can. If you could do me a favor and go to the slash ask you can leave your comment or your question. I'll be able to answer it on the next Q&A episode. Again, the address is thebeigehouse.com askmegan ask Ask Megan is all one word. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you
1: setting it up and um, I got Groupon as my first stock or whatever and I
0: got I, Groupon too uh, I think, I I think Groupon and, and Fitbit and that was like
1: and nice. I think Fitbit's the one that he got honestly I think that's what he got and so yeah I I was like okay well like I'm an investor now like I have a I own Groupon this is so cool <laughs> and, and I think at that time like the value of a share of Groupon was like $3 so it wasn't like I was just doing anything fancy but I was like okay great I'm already invested in something like 40 cents so you win. <laughs> It's, it's a, I was look. like oh I'm what if I get Apple or I'm going to get Amazon you know I'm Berkshire Hathaway like this is going to be great my free stocks to be awesome I was like no just 3 dollar a share Groupon. Um but it's okay and I it's actually it's I still hold on to that too. I still have Groupon. I was like I'm probably just never going to sell it just because it's my first. Um yeah, and then
0: free I money, started so whatever, yeah.
1: Exactly. It's free money. I'll keep it. And and so I just started investing money into my Robinhood account just because it I like I Robin Robinhood because it gave me the freedom to manage my money and to kind of see to see what was going on with my money. Their user interface is a, is a lot, um, friendlier. It just it's a lot easier to digest and understand than some other platforms. So I really liked Robinhood because I was able to get comfortable with investing by using that app. And then I also I went and I opened up a Roth IRA account with Fidelity and you know max I maxed that out every single year. And I now I invest also not just in individual stocks like using Robinhood, but I also do index funds and mutual funds and things like that. But I think at first I needed to do something on a smaller scale where I could invest a smaller amount of money and I could kind of just see what was happening. I wanted to just see it. And that's what I did love about Robinhood. So I think it's a great tool, honestly, for, for new investors, something like Robinhood, if you just want to, um, and maybe you don't even want to really invest. Maybe you just want to put a dollar in your account or use your free stock and just kind of see what the market is doing before you get comfortable. So I think that that's a great tool, um, especially as opposed to maybe using some of the bigger, more traditional brokerages, just because I think that, that information, the way it's all, it's, it's put out there for you. The information is just harder to digest for most people who are new. Um, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't explore those, those routes too. I think that those are, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab. I think that those are also great avenues to have and, and great to have accounts with them as well.
0: Let's talk about, you said that you started reading just any personal finance book you get a, you're a hold of. So one of my favorites that actually got me in a really good mind space was your money or your life by Vicki Robin, which was about, do you know that book?
1: I've heard. Yes. And it's on my list. I have a list of, of a bazillion books to read cause I love reading and that's on my list.
0: It's it was so smart just because it, it was one of the catalysts that made me realize that um, it, essentially it's about like you calculate how much money and time it takes you to go to work <laughs> and you know, it, long story short, like I, I spent half of my salary to go to work and it was terrifying in a first sense, but then also like, Oh, I don't have to make that much money to survive. I have to make half of that to be self-employed. And so it was really freeing. And that mm-hmm. was just like a huge mindset shift for me when it came to money. But like, what, what books would you recommend for people listening to this?
1: Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I love It's, it's, I'm going to sound so cliche by the books that I recommend. I need to become more original. Um, But one of my favorite, one of my favorites, one of my favorites that everybody's heard of. um, But if you haven't read it, you have to, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I know that one is like probably over recommended, but it's, it's, it's that good, especially again, for somebody who's newer and needs to have Rich Dad, Poor Dad caused me to have that light bulb moment. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, helped me realize that I needed to be out of debt. It helped me realize that I needed to start investing. It helped me realize that that's what the richest people in the world, even high earners, they're, they, they're investors. And it also helped me realize the importance of, you know, owning the things that I have and such as, you know, like even with investing in real estate, like it, it taught me that you can build wealth just as an everyday human, you can build wealth, but this is what you need to do. You want to be debt-free and you need to, own the thing, own your home, own your car, whatever, own them outright, and also invest in income generating assets. And so that was it just I had a lot of light bulb moments whenever I read that book. And so again, I know I, I was hesitant to come out and recommend it because I know everyone's like, someone tells me about Rich Dad, Poor Dad one more time. Like Dude, a classic is a classic
0: for a reason. That's yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's an awesome one. And then another book that I like, it's um it, it's kind of Told as more of just a story, um, but the richest man in Babylon. It's also another one that's pretty popular. Um, what I loved about the richest man in Babylon is it was it, because it's written and it's set in like a trillion years ago. I don't know um, to where like like the language is, is is like for example they'll say they they talk about shillings or coins in a purse. And, and this is the time they're only talking about men too. Like there's no women in this book. Um, and so, yeah, you're like the, just the way it's written, you can tell it's just set really, really old, but it it gives you just these basic principles on financial independence. And I think I like it that it's not set in today's time. Like it's not related to, um, you're not talking about a cable bill or, um, I don't know, a Netflix subscription, you know, it's just, they're just talking about money in in like very simple, simple terms. And it's short, it's a quick read too. So that's one of my favorites uh, the richest man in Babylon. And then um, for people who want almost like a, an instruction guide and action steps, there's a book called I will teach you to be rich. And right. it, I love uh,
0: that book.
1: Yes, really, really good. Yeah, there's some there's a lot of good nuggets of information um, in that book. So that's one that I recommend for someone who's like, OK, I don't need to hear um, a story from a thousand years ago about. Like, I don't, I don't want right to I want. Yeah, 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 I don't need to hear that. Or rich dad, poor dad. Um, OK, that that's. that's maybe that that's too much for me or I, I just, I want to know what I can do today right now. Um, I will teach you to be rich is definitely one for anyone that wants digestible information. That's easy to implement. I, I say that's a great starter.
0: Well, when I am realizing that I am way over my head with money and I'm terrified of it, how do I come to you? Like when, when do you recommend people start coming to you and how can they?
1: I think that, People can come to me even in those early steps because I to be honest, Megan, I'm not that far from being debt-free. You know, that these are all still really new to me. I still remember I can still feel all of those feelings. And so I can still really relate to someone who is in that feeling of despair and, and hopelessness and just feeling overwhelmed. So even from step one, if you're just confused and you don't know where to start, you can definitely come to me. I enjoy working with those people most because. That's where you have the biggest emotional shift. You know, that's where you go from feeling like I am just completely defeated to saying, oh, my gosh, I can win. You know, I can beat this. I can win and I can thrive in this. So as early, you know, once you have that 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 moment of. Oh, crap. How we did with student loan debt? Once you have that. Oh, crap. I can't. Be, I'm in debt. This is driving me crazy. What do I do? How do I get out of this? The, come to me right away. Those are the people that I love to work with because I know exactly how that feels, and that's also when you're most fired up about about tackling it and doing something about it. Um, but then there are also people who talk to me um, who are further along, and they're like, "Hey, I am debt free, and I'm trying to get started with real estate investing. I'd like to hear more. This this is where I am now, and that's and that's where I am in my journey too. And oh my gosh, has that been?" a doozy, um, <laughs> with, with real estate investing, investing in the market is one thing, but real estate is it's, it's, it's full of a lot of ups, ups and downs. I mean, the rewards can be immense, but the headache <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So, so yeah, I do have people who are further along in their journey and they come to me and I enjoy working with them too, but yeah, I love, I love the, the beginners. I love the newbies. So you can come to me anytime.
0: And how can they get to you?
1: You can find me, my website is called tangyseals.com and find me on Instagram also at tangyseals.com. I I get lots of DMs there. Feel free to DM me or even send me an email and reach out and I'm happy to have conversations. I love sending DMs and emails back and forth to people and uh, sharing more more details of my story that maybe I don't share publicly and hearing more about there. So yeah, find me on Instagram at tangyseals or on my website tangyseals.com. Or you can e- email me at tangi at com,
0: And I will vouch that her Instagram is amazing. You have such good content on there. You're so generous with your knowledge. It's, it's definitely worth checking her out.
1: Thank you so, so much. Yeah. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yay. Part awesome. one.
0: Yay. That was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the do you need to take a break or anything? Do you need okay? Nope, I'm fine. All right. So the next one we're gonna talk about um the business. Like I, I'm really interested about how you became a business like um, a money mentor in a business sense. Is
1: yeah. that
0: okay? Okay. Sure. Can um, you hear me okay? Is there
1: or is yeah, that the I can hear you where, fine. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. My my video is oh now it's back. Never mind. For me. You it. It weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. As long as you can hear me fine. I just didn't want the voice to be spotty.
0: No, you're, you're sound perfect. Perfect. Um, is there anything that you want me to lead into? Like, are you doing any kind of classes or any kind of promotion that you want me to lead the audience into for this?
1: So I'm actually, well, do you know when this will be posted? I ask because I'm actually f- d- finishing the, my design on um like an ebook that i'm writing just about <laughs> about wealth building just the the baby steps and so that's what i'd love to share with people i'm really excited about that
0: that is such a huge step congratulations
1: yeah i was like i'm answering emails and dms and answering the same questions over and over again so
0: <laughs> might as well yeah make a book out of it
1: absolutely
0: okay so Megan Bream is okay. the The money month is November.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, this will be done.
0: And then anything but beige is August. So, but I can switch them if you prefer.
1: No, it it will be done. It was out. It would have been done this week. I actually. It's funny that you asked me about Robin Hood. I just finished. Um, filming content for a campaign with them that will also no shit launch. congratulations
0: super
1: excited um, and so that but that took a lot of <laughs> a lot of time um, out but no it's just it's just the design like I'm just putting it all it's going to be a digital product too so it's in designing it in Canva and mm-hmm. those finishing touches but no that it'll be done by August. Okay,
0: um, how did you get the? Robin did you reach out to them or did they come to you no
1: they found me I don't know how the hell they found me um it was it was with so I think that they they partnered with there's um like an online kind of like magazine called pop sugar that Mm -hmm. yeah so I'm guessing that Robin Hood is like we want to talk we want to reach more women because it's definitely a man everything I've ever seen about Robin Hood is men talk about it Um, and a lot of women use it and um so yeah I guess Robin Hood just started something with Pop Sugar, and it was Pop Sugar's people who who found me. So it's just like an IGTV video and and stuff. But they were like, "We want B roll footage," and I was like, "I don't. What is what is that? <laughs> like, I, don't I don't know what that is." So yeah, it was a lot of filming last week, like in my kitchen. And I was like, "I'm so boring." So I, I had to go hiking, and I was like, "Let
0: me just." <laughs> figure out some things to do. <laughs> I love that. like i'm going to be this perfect person in this b-roll video that has hobbies and definitely Absolutely. leaves your house
1: and they're probably like not even going to use it so i because they're like well do you have kids i was like no kids pets i was like i have fish no nope. <laughs> nothing nothing like no no one to do anything with me and they're like okay well um because my, my boyfriend was helping me set up and they're like does he mind being in it and i was like "Yeah." I was like, Hey, I need you as an accessory because we don't have real pets or kids. So uh, <laughs> that was fun.
0: Oh, all right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Tanji, thank you so much for being on Stop Sucking at Business. This is so exciting.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: So I love, you know, you and I originally started talking on Instagram and I found your story so incredibly amazing. And I'd love to talk about your journey from 30,000 plus in debt into becoming a money mentor. That is just super fascinating. Would you mind going through it with us?
1: Sure. Sure. Um, so I, when I like a lot of people, I graduated college and had a ton of debt that was staring me in the face, you know, all of that, that college happiness, I'm so smart, all of that goes away. And then you find yourself staring at debt. And I remember feeling paralyzed and completely hopeless with it. But knowing that I didn't want to be a person who was living a paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. And so I just consumed every personal finance resource that I could to learn how to, you know, tackle, tackle this problem and become debt-free and start building wealth for myself. And not just for myself. I also think it's important for us, especially women to try to build generational wealth. And so I am, once I embarked on that path, I learned a lot of different tools. I learned a lot of different information. And then I found myself sharing a lot of that information with friends and with family members and, you know, with my sisters and, um, you know, I have nieces and people kind of who are younger than me. And I found myself just sharing that information and, Um, and I was like, well, why don't I share this information with everybody, spread it to the masses. And so that's kind of how I made that shift. You know, I had my own experiences with being in debt to also being, having a a very positive and very healthy net worth. And I just want to see other people do the same thing. I really want to see other people do those things. And especially women, I want to see women, you know, elevate themselves
0: financially. That's beautiful. So When did you decide that this was going to be like the full time pursuit for you? Were you working elsewhere while you started to build this or like what was your transition into this full time position?
1: Yes. Yes. So I was I was working and also doing kind of slowly building, not honestly, not knowing what I was Creating. I should say Mm -hmm. that. I should say that. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that. You know, you have this passion, you have this, this thing that you want to do, or you have this information that you want to share with the world and you, you start kind of doing it informally, um, through, maybe Instagram stories that I'd share about investing in someone would reply and ask me a question. And I found myself giving them my two cents, um, no pun intended, <laughs> giving them my <laughs> two cents, um, or giving them, you know, my, my advice on, on the matter. And then I just found myself playing like, Oh my gosh, this is so fun. This is so great. And then I decided to start a blog and just talk and just, just, just talk and put it out there. And that was kind of the first step of me, um, just really using writing as an outlet to talk about my story and to kind of just share my thoughts on money and wealth creation. And then I was, I was kind of accidentally unintentionally stumbling (laughs) into, (laughs) into building something because I didn't have um, a goal necessarily to, to share this information more formally. I just thought, you know, Hey, I'll write about it. And then I was like, oh, people People are actually asking me questions. People seem to enjoy what I'm saying. People seem to want to know more. People seem to want, you know, more in-depth information. And then that's when I decided that I would kind of, you know, take things to the next level and have something to offer
0: to people. Mm-hmm. That I love that. And I love that it became this organic flow of, I love doing this. Now I can start doing it professionally. You mm-hmm.
1: know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of there's so many entrepreneurs that I meet who, you know, it just starts as something that's our passion. It starts as something that's, that's hobby ish. And we are accidentally creating a business out of it. Does that does that kind of make sense? I, I have friends yeah. who, who do that, who've like, who've accidentally, for example, I have a friend who's a photographer and she, she actually takes a lot of my pictures and, you know, she was working and she's just like, I like to take pictures. I'd like to take pictures of people. And then she just learned more about cameras and now, she, now she's at the point where she has a big fancy camera and equipment and lots of clients, but it just started because she just she was a girl with a camera and she liked to take pictures and people were like, "I want my picture taken." So <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, "Oh, well, do you want to give me some money for it? And you know, it's just like, it slowly progressed. And now she has a photography business and, you know, again, lots of clients. And 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 now she's kind of taken the next step into doing more media and like filming and video things. And um, I've seen I've just I've seen lots of women just kind of slowly and accidentally women and men accidentally mm-hmm. form a business. And you're like, oh, this is a thing like I can I can work with this. I can make money off of this and I can do this full time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, I love that. And especially for a market that's saturated, like photography to still be like, I am this passionate that I'm not going to let that scare me. And this mm-hmm. is going to be my business, my goal, my everything.
1: Right. And I think that is important. I I still deal with like these feelings of, well, should I, should I even mm. bother? I'm, I'm always like, well, there are a lot of people talking about money. People have been talking about money since it was a thing. Like, <laughs> why should I write about money? Why should I talk about money? Do we need to have another voice about money? Um, And you're right, photography is actually a really good example because it is a market where you feel like it's, it's so oversaturated. And I know there's some people who think, well, I like taking pictures, but you know, iPhone, people take pictures now with their iPhones. Is it even worth me starting my own photography business? And it's like, hell yeah. People like me can't take a damn good picture on a phone. And I am I will happily give you money to take my picture and make me look good in it. And so, yeah, I think that we still, um, I do and probably you sometimes, you know, we still feel these feelings of like, oh my gosh, so many people do this. So many people have podcasts. Should I start my own podcast? Right. And it's like, why not? There are 8 billion people in the world, guys. Do it. There's someone out there who's Mm. going to read your content. There's someone out there who's going to listen to your podcast or watch your YouTube video or buy your product. There are a ton of people out there and you don't want to miss out on an opportunity because you feel like the space is too competitive.
0: Right? Absolutely. I saw this great meme that was, uh, someone's tweet. It said something like there's a YouTube video about how to open a zip file and it has, 40,000 views. So like, so girl go write your blog post because someone is going to be, someone needs it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're putting content out there, I think that helps people. I think if you kind of have a, a a helpful approach with whatever you're doing, um, even Mm -hmm. if it is like you, um, for example, like right now, a a business that's a product based business idea that's really popular is selling masks on, on Etsy. Mm Like, like, a lot of people are selling masks on Etsy right now. A ton of people are selling masks on Etsy right now. And I have bought masks from different, um, I always try to buy from a different business cause I like to try to support small businesses. And it's, it's funny cause some of them all go to like the 10th page, um, you know, I'm like, I want to find somebody who's like way at the back who may not have as many sales. And I'll still go to their shop and it's like, this person has made 10,000 sales this month. You know, it's like, yeah, everybody's on Etsy selling masks right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't be either people need them. You know, you're doing something with the intention of providing people with a product that they need, right. That's helping somebody and yeah, you should go ahead and do it and and, and you should be happy to accept that money in return. So yeah, just because someone's already doing it, I, to me, I take it as a good sign. Well, Hey, if people are doing it, that means people want to consume whatever product or service or that content is, you know, there's already a market for it. So why not you?
0: I want to talk about something you just said, which was so brilliant of like um, accepting the money and accepting the money for your work. I think that you know as women, but many entrepreneurs we're afraid to ask for the sale And I, I think it becomes almost like we're afraid of money because we're afraid that either we don't have the value to exchange or it's rude or something like that. So can you talk about just how you uh, how you change your mindset into, Wanting to accept money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I,
1: I'm a sensitive seller like that, that for me is uncomfortable. Even the idea of sales, to be honest, sometimes I can hear the word sales or sales call or sales page. And it still makes me like, Oh, stop saying that. Because we have this sales and selling has gotten like a, a yucky reputation because there are some people who are yucky salespeople. And so now we just associate those words with those yucky, yucky salespeople just because you're selling and just because you're asking for money does not mean that you're, um, you know, that that stereotypical idea that we have of some sleazy person who's not giving you something of value, but still wanting to take your money. I think that's where that that kind of stereotype comes from. It's like, OK, this person is trying to, you know screw me over. And they, they're looking out for themselves. And, and I, it's like, it's, it's like a zero sum. Like they, it's in order for them to win, I have to lose. And I think whenever we get rid of those stereotypical, like ideas of what sales is and what selling is, and like, I am giving you something that's helping you and you're giving me money, which is helping me. And now we have this very fair, very even exchange So it's okay. So I think that you just have to remind yourself that what you're giving away is something that's valuable. What you're giving away is something that is it's useful and it's helpful and they will go on and be able to improve their lives or whatever situation they're in because of what you're giving them. And so you need to take the money. You need to sell that to them. Because it has to be an even exchange. You know, I think it's just it's almost kind of like a like an energy flow. You know, if, if you're just constantly giving and giving and giving and no energy is being returned back to you, eventually you will be depleted. So I know this is kind of very like woo-woo and fluffy and out there, but I think it's it's necessary. I don't think that you can just always give, give, give. There has to be something that's flowing in. Um, even if you think of like, for example, like nonprofits and, and NGOs, right? Um, those organizations tend to be giving money away a lot, but they're also receiving money in the forms of, you know, grants and donations and things like that. So you as long as you're doing things with the intention of helping people be happy, be happy to take that money in and keep in mind, too, guys, a lot of people are happy to give give money. I enjoy giving money to whether it's for a a good cause or whether it's for, I'm going to get this amazing product. I enjoy paying for things that I know are of quality. I enjoy buying, you know, if I'm going to pick up takeout and it's from a delicious restaurant I had, um, I went to this really good Mexican restaurant, um, last, last weekend and it was delicious and it was pricier, but I was happy to pay that tab. I was happy to tip. I was so happy because I knew what I was getting was delicious. I was getting really great food. So they were giving me something valuable and of quality and I was happy to give them the money. Now, if it was going to be crappy food that was going to make me have to go crap or
0: whatever,
1: (laughs) then, (laughs) then, you know, I mean, I probably would feel like, Oh, like I would feel like it would be that, that, that traditional salesy thing. Well, I'm going to take this and I'm going to lose, but you're going to get money out of it. Mm
0: -hmm. And then, you know,
1: there would be this weird um, energy and this weird feeling about it. But if you know that what you're doing is, quality and that it is a value, give it and take the money and it's okay. It's okay. People are happy to pay for quality, valuable products and services.
0: And I, that's so beautiful and such a perfect way to put it, you know, like my husband's um, birthday was last week. And so we, we can't go out to restaurants yet, but we had amazing Indian takeout and it's, it was super expensive, but it was so, like, the experience was worth it, and the it, it had so much value in our lives that it makes sense we would invest in it, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Like, it, it made you feel good. Right. The food was good. It made you feel good. That's how I was when the restaurant that I went to, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the best. Like it it was, it was so good. I had to stop myself because I was like, my stomach's going to hurt. And I was already like, I I was telling my boyfriend, I'm like, when can we go here again? Like I was eating, I'm already (laughs) planning the next meal. Like, you know, it it was, it was that good. And we both enjoyed it. So we got to have a very pleasurable experience. The two of us over a delicious meal. Mm -hmm. That's an experience that we're willing to pay for again. Right. And so yeah, I I think it's if it, and you also can't you also can't like doubt the value of what you're putting out there. Um mm-hmm. I think sometimes that comes from the fact that we 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 just feel like like everyone doesn't need it. Like for example, I know there are a lot of people out there talking about money and providing resources on money and so sometimes I'm like, well, well, what I have to say, it's it's probably out there in some way, shape, or form. People can go do different bits of research and maybe piece together what I'm thinking. And, you know, sometimes I kind of start to psych myself out that way. And it's like, you can still share that, too. You know, you can still share it, too. Maybe people don't want to go to this place and that place. And maybe they don't know what to search on Google or um on some search engine to find those bits and bits of information so I'm here let me put it together and provide it to you in this one resource and give it to you and there you have it some people are happy about that I know with me whenever I need some sort of like let's say it's like tech I'm not that tech savvy which is why I'm dating an engineer he's great Um, (laughs) but when I have to do something like tech wise I'm like I don't want to go look it up I don't even want to read instructions I just I want someone to explain it like in in a video so you might say well I want to start a YouTube channel on how to um create cool video settings on your camera or something i don't know and you're like well you can read instruction manual <laughs> or there are a million blogs out there about that and it's like well if you're me i don't this instruction manual doesn't make sense i don't right. want to read like reading is a blog is not going to give me the instructions that i need to operate my camera well i i it, that I can't digest that kind of information just through reading. So no, I do want you to start your YouTube channel giving tech tips and media tips on how to operate a camera because that's going to help me digest that information. So I think sometimes we feel like, oh, but the information is out there anyway. Why should I package it and put it out there? Or Why should I package it and sell it? You should, because some people want it in that package that you're giving it in. Some people don't want to go out there and do the work and piece it together. And I've gotten to the point just in my life and in my business that I'm that way. I definitely was the person before who was like, nope, I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I can figure it out myself. And I think a lot of us used to be that way. And Mm -hmm. so whenever we're thinking of selling our product or service, that's how we're viewing people of like, why would they want to buy this thing when they can just go get it for free? Or even if you give something free, like your, a blog or a YouTube, well, again, there are other places where they can go see it. Why, why, why do I want to do my own thing? Um, but again, like how we are now, like we're, we're happy to, to pay for help. We're happy to pay for a product or service that's great for us. So keep in mind that there are, yeah, there are the people who maybe where you were in the beginning where you, you don't want to spend money and you want to do it all yourself. And then there are plenty of people who are also in the space where they do want to spend money for that help or for that resource, or just because there are other photography YouTube channels out there, doesn't mean that they won't find yours and find yours helpful. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think that we, we tend to sometimes get in our own heads and psych our own selves out, um, because it's scary. It's, okay. it's so scary. Even when you're doing it, it's scary. I'm scared talking to you on this podcast. I'm <laughs> scared of this right now. Um, you know, I'm scared of like, whenever this goes live, I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, it's, I did it. Like what, what in the heck it, it's, it's, it's full of discomfort. And for me, that was something that had me starting and stopping a lot in the beginning. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, this is just, this is just so like I'm freaking out, and not even really knowing what I was freaking out about. But I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. And then once I just got okay with that feeling, I was like, okay, well this this is just how this feels for me, at least. This is how it feels. And every time I do something, it's okay. It's okay. That's so
0: it, there's so much I want to digest in that because you're so right on so many different things. But you know, people saying like, oh, uh, you're afraid that someone will say like, oh, I could do this myself. I ran a soap and skincare company and I would go to street fairs or craft shows, whatever. And there would be people like, I can make that lip balm. And like, but they don't. And they won't. So it's, yeah, people could do it, but they won't. And another example, I, uh, <laughs> my first website I built when I was 16, you know, like I was wow. a total nerd for websites, CSS, like all of that fun stuff. But I still pay someone to do all of my website updates because it's yes, I could do it, but I need to work on other things. Mm -hmm. I need like my time. It costs me less money in the sense of what my hourly rate is. It costs me less to have someone else do it faster than me doing it longer or like having to Google this and trying to, you know, get my old expertise updated like it's just way easier and cheaper to pay someone else to do that which is my segue into how do we get comfortable investing in our businesses oh man and you're talking
1: i I love (laughs) i love that we're talking about this because i'm just now making that shift yeah um probably like end of last year is i mean that's where I started to say like okay look enough is enough like I'm tired of being tired I'm tired of not getting the things done that truly need to get done the things that only I can do because I'm worried about because like okay for instance I had to do what was wrong? Something happened. Something weird was going on. With, I, I use WordPress for my website and something weird was going on and I couldn't figure it out. And I'm like trying to fix it. And I spent like two days just researching and reading and trying. And I was like, this is stupid. And so I went and like you did, I, I found someone. I was like, Hey, this is the problem that I have with my WordPress. Here's my information. Here's my login. Can you please, just please go fix it. Your payment, go fix it. And like within a few hours, it's like, okay, yeah, it's done. And everything was fine. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Because it would have taken me like a month to, I don't whatever I don't know what he I don't even know what he did in the back end. All I know is the, the site was working and I was happy. And I was just like, yeah, I I, I can't keep spending, I can't keep staying up until three a.m. working on something techie in the back end. That's not my area of expertise. I'm not that great at it. It takes me way too long. And I, I had way too many like sleepless nights. And then deadlines that I set for myself in terms of getting different projects done, I kept seeing that I was pushing them back. And pushing them back and pushing them back because I was so stuck on trying to fix this one issue that just was not I was not meant to fix. It's it's not what I do. And after just being tired of being tired, (laughs) after being tired of being exhausted and not having just energy. Anytime I gave myself an off day, so to speak, um, not wanting to hang out with my family or go, you know, pre pandemic, go out to dinner with my family or go do different activities with them and then quality of life took a hit. And I am Mm -hmm. someone who is all about quality of life and happiness. Like if something is not serving me and if it's not making me happy, it has got to go. And then that's when I finally said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start investing in the help that I need for my business because it helps my business run uh, more efficiently. It gives me my time back so that I can spend my time doing the things that only I can do. And like you said, It's actually costing me if I'm pushing if I'm pushing things back and pushing deadlines back, it's costing me money to try to go and fix this issue that I'm never going to be able to fix. So it is better off for me. It, It is better for me financially. To go ahead and just pay for them want to do this so that I can stay on track to do the things that I need to do so yeah it was finally after just not having time to spend with friends and family and do the things that I enjoy and after not getting enough sleep for a few months and I was just like okay like screw this I'm over it let me pay for the help that I need in my business and and I get it I know some people even once you start paying for help that you need it still is kind of like Oh my gosh! I don't. I don't want to spend money. As someone who's like, I, I love money and I'm super frugal, so I I try to do things first if I can. But mm-hmm. I'm like, cook. I try to cook first, and it doesn't taste good, so I go out to the really fancy, delicious Mexican restaurant and do <laughs> something. Um, but so I am doing um, some, like I was trying to set up sales funnel. So a lot of business owners um and entrepreneurs can relate to setting up funnels and establishing that and i found myself doing again a ton of research and trying to figure out all of this tech stuff and i was like this is stupid like i'm tired of this i'm spending more all the time i've spent researching like i could have just had some software and created the damn funnel in a day
0: right i know
1: rather than like the month that i spent doing research and so um I was like, okay, let me just go ahead and pay. Let me go ahead and pay for software and for a resource that's going to help me create funnels, and I don't have to worry about the tech stuff. I just have to type. I just need to type and upload some, some images, and then it's done. And so, yeah, I think once, once you find that you're not able to do the things that you enjoy anymore, once you find that you're not able to actually um, create in your business, the way that like you want and the way that you need to, and and on the schedule that you have set for yourself, and then it's time to to outsource. And especially if you have in like revenue coming into your business, it's okay to 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 spend. I think sometimes once we go from not making any money, and then we're like, whoa, I'm making money in my business, and you're just like, I just want to hold it all and keep it. Here, and I don't want to spend any of it. And and I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. And I do. Just kind of energetically, I think. I think money needs to move. I think money needs to change hands. Mm-hmm. And I think that you need to be okay with and, and and happy to spend money again on something that's quality, um, to to push that money back out there because I do think that still it'll it'll come back to you in spades if you're willing to do that.
0: I completely agree, and it, it, it's so funny that I was in that mindset too of like, I I don't have money to spend. Like I I cannot. Physically spend money, but then it was like, it, it. I switched my mindset into, it's not. I can't. It's how am I going to earn this? And what I did was I realized that uh, my web developer's name is Govinda. I was like, if Govinda is doing this, I don't have to worry about that. The time that I spend now can be on making products or interviewing people or you know like generating ways to grow my business and I'm not down in the trenches anymore and so how like how do I find this money I find this money by creating products and that's how I spend that time you know so that's Mm -hmm. but I agree it's not an easy mindset to get into especially when if you're a, a person who thinks like I only have a certain amount of money and like you're not thinking like you know, there are infinite ways to get this money happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right, exactly. I, I think it's um, – and another thing that, at least for me, that was happening, um, I thought at some point making those types of decisions should become comfortable. Like in my entrepreneurship journey, I was always looking for comfort. And I wanted everything to just feel right. And I wanted everything to feel okay. And like I said, I just had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Everything to me feels scary. Everything feels uncertain. <laughs> I just, I, I feel like constantly, like I'm just like flailing and just, and just hoping that, that I'm not going to fall and stumble. And yeah, so every time I have to decide to spend, you know, a few hundred or even a few thousand dollars on some, on a resource, it doesn't feel good. I'm not like, yes, I'm going to spend $2,000 today. Like, this is just great. Like it's not enjoyable, but I just know it needs to be done.
0: That's the dance American Express is doing, not the one that you're doing. Yeah, yeah,
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so I think some people or at least entrepreneurs that I've spoken to and just kind of gotten a feel for how they feel, you know, with their business or with starting their business or being in those early stages of their business. I think a lot of times they can relate to of like, but I just want to wanted to feel comfortable. Like if if it was comfortable, I'd do it. If it was comfortable, I'd start the business. If it was comfortable, I'd start the, the blog or the YouTube channel. If it was comfortable, I'd spend money on the help. It's not going to be comfortable. It's so new to you. If it's, it'll probably be comfortable 20 years down the line. And I, honestly, who knows if that's even the case? I mean, you have people like, um, I don't know, like, who are really successful in their space. People like Beyonce, who I've heard many interviews with her where she talks about how nervous she gets to be on stage. And she's been like singing since she was like 10 and she's 40. This like She's, she's, she's like, she's been doing this her entire life. And she's like, I still get nervous on stage. I still get stage fright. She goes out there and does it anyway. And we can't tell. Um, so it's, it's okay if it's not comfortable for you, but you have to be willing to step into that discomfort and power through it anyway. And then in the minute you do in the minute that you stay consistent with it, I think that's the biggest thing is just stay consistent because you may not see the results that you want right away. Kind of like investing. So <laughs> I tell people with money, it's kind of like investing, you're going to do this thing and you're not going to see any returns for like three years. Um, <laughs> maybe. And, um, but yeah, with your business, you may have to, you may start, that blog and no one may read it for the first six months Mm -hmm. and then finally it picks up. And so, you know, be okay with feeling a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning and then just know that as long as you are being consistent and persistent with your journey, that you'll eventually get to where you want to be. I think that most people fail because they stop. They They let the fear become so paralyzing that they, they freeze in their tracks. They go right back to whatever's comfortable for them. And then they always wonder what if, What if I had continued on with my um, business idea? What if I'd continued on doing that thing that my heart desired? And now I'm back doing this, the safe thing, this, this comfortable thing, but I'm not as fulfilled and not as happy as I am. If I had probably, you know, finished, finished my goal and kind of saw that dream through.
0: Well, let's talk about a little bit investing in something intangible. So, you know, we're talking about, um, freeing up our time and things like that. But one of the things that I have noticed and that I've struggled with too is investing in like coaching or masterminds or, you know, like things that aren't exactly tangible A, B, C, D, E, F, G goals, but like, how do you recommend people get more comfortable with doing things like that? And in a way that is, um, I, I was gonna say, like, in a way that they're not scared of, like, I'm just throwing money away.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have had those feelings before, and I am someone who has been coached a few times. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think it's, I, I think that whenever you're trying to elevate and get to any any level, whether it's like, um, maybe you want to lose. 20 pounds, I don't know, and get like a six pack or, or something. Right. If you're like, okay, well, I am, you know, I'm, I'm very far from whatever that goal is. And I don't know how to get to where I want to be. Or maybe, maybe you've been like, well, okay, I, I lost um, 10 pounds already. I have 10 more to go. And I still want to get that six pack. But that that's the part I'm struggling with. Like, even if you've made a little bit of progress on your own. And you're still struggling to kind of get to those, those next steps or to kind of get to that next level. I think that's when you need to be honest with yourself and and say, Hey, it's okay to pay for the help that I'm going to get and know that a lot of the world's most successful people have coaches and multiple coaches. And sometimes they continuously are being coached and paying top dollar for it because yeah. the benefits that they gain, the information that they learn, the benefits that they gain, the network that they create um, and the resources that come about out of having that that coaching service um, or being a part of that coaching program, it's it's giving them so much more. So even if you do spend three, five, ten thousand dollars, you know whatever whatever suits you and your business and your budget, um, even if you spend that money, if you're spending it again on something that's quality and something that's of value, and hopefully you are picking, Um, you know, looking into a service provider who does have something valuable to offer. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely do your your research and make sure that they're a good fit for you too because it doesn't necessarily mean that maybe they aren't, um, what am I trying to say? It doesn't mean like, sorry, sorry, you're gonna have to edit this This part now. (laughs) Um, um, But you also wanna make sure that you find a, a coach or a mentor who is just in alignment with you And what your goals are, you know, there are so many people out there offering different services and they're great and they're talented, but maybe not everybody is for you and the type of business that you have and that you're trying to create. So I think it's definitely important to find somebody that you feel aligned with, but I think that you have to acknowledge that we all need help. And on all aspects of our lives, we all need help, and we all need to reach out for it. Yes, you can go on the internet and do a lot of googling and get free help and free resources, but I think that you you it lacks direction. You find yourself looking at this thing and find yourself looking at that thing and researching this and researching that and trying to learn about sales and trying to learn about marketing and trying to learn about your website and trying to learn about your your blog and then then Facebook ads. And you're doing it all kind of without this direction. So you may mm-hmm. join a. a Coaching program or a mastermind that helps you with all of those things, but then there's structure to it, and you're just kind of relying on this one, this 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 one avenue, this one resource, and they're giving you structure and they're guiding you through it, and then you also have people and they're with you to to rely on and to network with and to bounce ideas off of. So I think. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there. Yeah, I, I'm a big DIYer with a lot of things in my life too. But sometimes we do need that a more tailored approach, and we need structure if we do want to elevate our businesses so that we can actually get more money. Because that's what we're in business for. We want to earn money. We want to do lots of other things, like you know, help people or you know, make cool fancy masks or create YouTube channels. But we want to make money Mm too. At the end of the day, that's why we're doing this. And so you have to keep in mind that, well, if you want to make money, you need to, you know, fine tune your business at some point, once you get it started, once you get it going, or even once you have that idea, you need to fine tune everything. So reach out for that help. It's okay to pay for it, as long as you're in alignment with whoever the leader of that community is. And then taking all that information, get that, get the help that you need, and then watch your business grow. I'm someone who has, like I said, I've invested in in lots of, um, you know, resources from coaching programs and even different courses on, you know, specific areas where I want help in. And they were always expensive. I was never happy about spending the money. I've always learned something and that money has always come back to me many times over
0: every That's single so time. That's so true. It's, you know, I had a business coach for a while who was fantastic. I loved her a lot, but it just became, um, uh, I had grown into a different path that I wanted to take so I went to another business coach who was way more expensive but she was way more specialized and it was kind of like oh you know like you still even when you're in this space you're still like uh this is this is a big jump but it it has to it has to be the smart investment and I think that like you said like doing research and making sure this is in alignment with you ask questions ask billions of questions you know this is you should be investing in things that are working that are going to work for you. And that's the segue into this question of when do you think like, what are things to avoid when it comes to either investing in business or investing in life? Like, um, you know, something that comes to mind is just people just spending tons of money on things they never use or spending like investing in stocks or the stock market and having no research. Like how, how do you recommend people avoid that trap or get out of that trap?
1: Yeah. So I think in terms of that's a great question too, because it it does relate to to a lot of things. Um, in terms of your your business, um so, okay, for example, whenever I was looking for for just more help, I wanted to be in a coaching program. And again, there are a ton of coaches out there. I was happy to sit through someone's hour long webinar and because, and I know it's a sales pitch. I know they're trying to sell to me, but I was trying to get a sense for who get a feel of like who this person was. Do, do I feel like my, just my personality and who I am, do I feel like it clicks with them? The information that they're giving away to me for free. Do I feel that this is even, even valuable? Do I want to know more for that person? So I didn't, just say, oh, hey, yeah, this is a cool Facebook ad. I'm going to sign up for your webinar and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to buy whatever you give to me. I, I spent a lot of time going through that process and being on people's email lists and reading their emails and learning more about them and following, following them on social media and seeing what they were doing and learning about their story and learning about their their progress. And And then, and also their process and, you know, how they got to where, to where they are. And, um, so that was my way personally of doing research on the coaches that I was interested in, you know, purchasing services from is I just, I wanted to spend more time with them. For me, one hour on a webinar wasn't enough for me to make a, uh, four or five figure investment. I wanted more time. And then that's when I made my decision to, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, go ahead and book a call or, or whatever, but I, I eased my way into it and I didn't let myself be sold right away. I think sometimes some people, um, you know, sometimes we're like, Oh, I don't want to spend money. And then sometimes we're like that. Everything in that webinar sound great. You're going to make me a millionaire tomorrow. Yes. Here's my $10,000. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't 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 be sold to too quickly uh, if it doesn't make sense or if it's not right for you yet. So I also went into everything with a mindset of I am not buying today. Like I am not buying today. I am going to buy. And I, and I knew that I wanted to buy. And I also was honest about that. I want something, but I want to make sure it's for me. Um, before I do spend my money and, um, eventually found, you know, a great coach and I, you know, paid for it later, but I I just, I wanted to do research and it was a great experience. I learned so much. She was fantastic. She was so great. And, um, but I wanted to ease my way into that. I didn't just want to, you know, sign up for the first coach who had a Facebook ad that I saw. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's okay to, um, click and to get on people's email lists and to kind of get into their communities in that way and learn a little bit more about them. But like I said, don't let yourself be sold too soon because you could fall into being with a coach who's great and who's talented, but maybe your goals and who you are just kind of really don't align with who they are and what they're doing. Um, Because I've also had that happen to me before too. (laughs) Um, And yeah, in terms of investing, like you, you, it's the same thing. Like it's, it's tough for me. So last week, I'll say this. I, last week, I um, deposited $2,000 into my Robinhood account. There are a lot of other things that I'd rather do with my $2,000. But I had to say, <laughs> I, there's a lot of things that I can do today with my $2,000. Um, I probably need more than 2000 to do all the things I want to do today. Um, but I had to say, okay, well, no, I'm going to you know, put this $2,000 away and part ways with it. It sucks. It hurts a little bit, but... I'm going to part ways with it for a while. It's going to grow and become way more than 2000 later, you know? So you have to be willing to, you know, part ways with that lump sum of money now and know that in time, you know, whatever you gain from it is going to be so much better than whatever the value is or whatever it's worth today. And, but yeah, it is important to always, always research and always do your due diligence so that you don't end up being someone who's like, okay, well now, you know, I'm 20 grand, into this and I've learned nothing or my business has not gone anywhere because that's happened to a lot of people. But I think that you can mitigate that and you can prevent that um, as long as you do a lot of your research, because no one wants to make a big investment without knowing what they're getting into first.
0: Right. Right. And I want to talk to you so much more about like money mindsets and abundance and things like that, but we're running out of time. So I'm going to direct people to talk to you because you are the master. So how can my listeners get a hold of you?
1: They can get a hold of me on my website, tangyseals.com and um through my Instagram. I I love Instagram and I love communicating with my community on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at TangySeals. And if you have a more in-depth question or you want to know more about me, um, and something that I'm not sharing on my blog or anything like that, I get lots of pe- emails from people who are like, I want to see your budget or what what have you invested in and blah, blah, blah. If you want to know more of those, you know details and all of that, Um, feel free to just send me an email. Um, My email address is tangi at tangiseals.com.
0: And let's talk about the ebook coming
1: out. Yes. So I am... uh... Finish, putting the finishing touches on an ebook that's actually been shaped based on a lot of emails and dms that i get from people about money and budgeting and investing and and paying off debt um you know there's a lot of information out there like we said there's a lot of information out there on it and sometimes people just want to know where to get started and you just kind of want a framework to follow while you're on that journey and so i just piece together everything from the emails that I got because I found myself giving the same responses to a lot of, you know, over and over again. And I'm like, okay, people want to know more about this. So I've put it all together and packaged it into an ebook that is easily digestible. It's not written in this fancy mumbo jumbo. I'm not talking about candles, sticks and charts and, you know, and you're know, you not, you're not going to get any of that. We're not doing any like statistics and, and talking about, you know, finance and money. at on this, what feels like a college level. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't like to talk about money that way. And I, it's, it's very much just like for the regular person, the regular new investor, or just the regular person who wants to become debt free and build wealth. You know, it's just me and you chatting and um, just giving you steps on how to go from being in debt to being financially free and sharing more information on my story and how it was, how I was able to do that for myself.
0: And we'll link to it in the show notes, absolutely. But can they get it on your website?
1: Yes, it'll be available on my website and again, through my Instagram. So yes, you'll be able to find it. And again, you can always reach out to me directly if you do have any questions or um, need more details.
0: Great, thank you so much for your time, Angie. This was so helpful.
1: Thank you so much. I really had a great time talking with you. I told you I'm a chatty Kathy, and (laughs) I had so, so much fun with you. Thank you, Megan. We did it. I did too. That Yay. was so fun. I'm so hungry now. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> now you have to go get Mexican. Oh my celebrate. gosh. I know. Now, that's all I eat too. My boyfriend's tired of it. He's like, all you eat is Mexican food. I'm like, I'm from Texas. So <laughs> I'm a Texan like through and through and Mexican is all I want. It's, it, it reigns supreme down here. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to go eat, but thank you so, so much for your time. Like I, it was really like insightful
0: too. And it's just like, fun for me. And I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. So what's going to happen is um, right the day that your episodes go live, I will email you with links to it. And then three audiograms if you want to share those on Instagram, but we'll be sharing them too uh, the week after just so we can keep getting interest in it. Awesome. But if you um, I need from you a headshot, if you don't mind. And uh, the links that you want me to promote in the show notes. Sure. Okay. And then, like I said, the, um, the stop sucking a business will go live in November. So if you want me to reach out to you um, in August to get the link for the book, or do you want to just send it to me? whenever? That's totally your call. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm, out that i'll change because most likely because what uh, just what i'm you're a business owner so you get it so what i'm trying what i'm probably going to do is i I'm, I'm selling like this ebook and i'm actually kind of trying to use this ebook as a framework for um like a program that i want to develop and so yeah. either way the ebook still will be the lead-in to kind of pulling people into me anyway so mm-hmm. even in november like the same link will still be applicable if i and if i change anything it'll be changed just like on the link and probably trying to get them to
0: and um, join a program later. Just curious, you said you invested in sales funnel. Was it Click Click Funnels that you invested in? I I yes, Click Funnels. Yeah. Also,
1: I've tried, I've tested Click Funnels before, and then recently though, because it's super techy. Like that's something mm-hmm. that I actually want control over my funnels. Um, I don't yet want to give it away that's something mm. I'm again working through the discomfort of that so I was using click funnels and I was like this is just like a lot and so I recently have been I did a trial of sam I don't know if you've heard of sam just because I can sell oh, yeah I have yeah I yeah because you can sell digital products and it also gives you the option to you know have an upsell the way click funnels does it's just it's just yeah. a little bit less like um to me techie and it still gives provides that same funnel, um, interest capability. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I purchased like a, a premium like tier and I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to love this. Like, why am I spending this money? And like, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> just that's
0: do it. that's so funny. That's I I'm right now trying to talk myself into buying thrive cart, which is like, yes and it's right. it's 600 but it's only 600 one time and i'm still like
1: <sighs> isn't it the craziest thing it's so crazy like um when i broke down like whatever i'd be spending i'm like okay this is like i don't know like 50 bucks a month or uh, whatever whatever it was and i was like okay 50 bucks a month really like right
0: i know i know isn't it? you're just like <laughs>
1: really but it's still it, it gets you every time i mean business it's it's so it's so scary especially um you know when you're when you're committed to it and committing to it for the long haul it it is and i i go through that stuff all the time and i'm like okay just do it just do it trust <laughs> that it's going to be okay it's only a waste of money if you don't use it <laughs> that's what that's i tell exactly. you exactly only yes. a waste if you don't use it but yeah, yeah. i i completely i completely relate to you <sighs>
0: Well, I will look into Sam card though. Cause that's, if that can do the same things, maybe I'll take your advice and try that one instead. But yeah. We'll
1: and just do the trial. I love a trial. I love a trial. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I, sure. I
1: love a trial. It's kind of annoying cause you have to get out, get set up like over and over again. But again, then I'm like, okay, well, this is the thing I want. This is the thing I like. And you know, I didn't
0: waste money doing something else before. So. Right. Right. Yes, ma'am. All right, lady. Well, I'm gonna get going, but thank thank you again. This was incredibly helpful for me. I pr- really appreciate it.
1: Yes, thank you. No, I I really really enjoyed it, and I do enjoy listening to your podcast too. Your your um, um energy is. There are a lot of podcasters out there. There are a lot of people talking about business podcasts, and it's you're just. It just feels relatable and Thank you personable. Yeah. and yeah you don't, you don't feel like okay well I need to go buy this thing or she, she's just out you know she's just promoting herself you know it does feel like of course you're again you're in business you have to promote yourself but it feels like you are doing it with a heart-centered approach and and to help your base and I like that you talk about mistakes and not being perfect and things like that because I think we get a little bit too much of that and I think a lot of fears probably should have mentioned this earlier. I think a lot of the fears that a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners have is because we see the perfect entrepreneur and we want to be yeah. perfect just like them. And they're not yeah. sharing their missteps and their stumbles and their falls and that they probably had more fails, failures than successes. And so I like that you don't take that oh yeah I'm like here, here they
0: are here they all are there yeah
1: yeah absolutely. yes so thank you for that definitely keep that up like listeners
0: we appreciate that thank you thank you so much all right well i will be in touch shortly but have a lovely day yes and ma'am I will, you too yeah i will talk to you soon all right bye, bye. Hey guys, Megan here. Before you go, I would love to ask a favor of you. It is so helpful to have reviews on new podcasts as it really helps iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those guys find out that you're really enjoying it and that they should show it to new people. So if you wouldn't mind just leaving a quick review about what you think about the podcast, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much again. I'll talk to you next week. On the next episode... Like I was that, I, I'm I'm a little bit older than you, but we used to sell these barrettes that were braided with a ribbon,